If you get butterflies when you're doing something, take note of it and do more of it. You deserve it. You're listening to Share, Inspire, Repeat, where we explore uplifting, inspiring, and unique stories from around the planet. Things we're doing as human beings that you'll want to talk about that make us better people. A little dose of positivity in your day? Coming right up. And now for your host, AJ Mises. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Share, Inspire, Repeat. My name is AJ Mises, and I am so excited to have you with us today for another really awesome episode with a really awesome guest and more about her in just a minute. But before we get into the content, I just want to give everybody a reminder to like and subscribe to the Share, Inspire, Repeat podcast so that we can help spread the word of good to the world and help others bring more good into their lives. So please make sure that you've liked and subscribed and also make sure that you've written us a review because that's also how we get put at the top of all the podcast lists. So please make sure that you go ahead and do that to help us out and to spread the word. So today's episode is featuring Terry McDougall, and Terry is an executive and career coach, speaker, and best-selling author of Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness, and Success on Your Own Terms. And she works with managers, executives, and professionals who want to draw upon their greatest, most authentic abilities and positively impact their organizations. And she supports clients who are creating change, driving innovation, and navigating transitions. So we have a lot in common. So Terry, welcome to the show. AJ, it is really great to be here. I'm so excited that you're here. Cool. So I'm curious, how did you get into this work? Tell us everything. Oh my gosh, how much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) I got into this work pretty organically. It really started probably about 20 years ago when I had kind of hit a wall where I was. I wanted to move up in my career and I was having a little trouble figuring out how to do that. So I hired a career coach who helped me identify and develop skills where I needed to develop skills. And that really was the catalyst that helped me make it to the next level. And in fact, you know, we were talking earlier, I live outside of Chicago now. And after I worked with that coach, I was actually recruited for a role that moved me here to Chicago. And within about a year, doubled my salary (laughs) for what I used to do. So I knew that coaching worked. And I was in the job here in Chicago or with that organization for 12 years. And just kind of got to a point where I felt like I had done everything that I wanted to do there. And I started thinking about what was next for me. And when I really looked at myself and what I liked doing and what I felt like I was good at, As a marketing director, I always spent a lot of time mentoring and coaching my teams, and I loved it. And so I actually decided to get a certification in coaching and just bring all the experience that I had in the corporate world together with the coaching skills to help other people achieve what they're fully capable of doing, but often aren't able to do because they don't know the unwritten rules of the game. Yeah, the game of making those pivots and and shifting around. And I think one of the cool things, well, one of the positives of this pandemic, I would say, and I'm curious to know your thoughts, is that it's given a lot of people time to reflect and to understand what they're really passionate about. And given the hardships that come with COVID-19 and the pandemic, it's given a lot of people time to reflect. Are you seeing that in your clients? 
Yeah, I definitely saw that over the course of 2020. I mean, I work with people in career transition. And unfortunately, for a lot of people, they found themselves in career transition, maybe not really wanting to find themselves there because there were a lot of layoffs last year. But there were also a lot of people that just, I think, finally woke up to maybe some things that they were tolerating in their career. And, you know, to your point, having that different, you know, they weren't caught up in the regular routine. They had a little bit more time and a change of perspective to recognize that maybe it was time for a change or maybe they needed to develop some skills to be more effective at work or whatever. So I've definitely found that. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. Same with my clients on the career changing side of things. You know, there's a lot of people that I think are revisiting things that they at one point felt that they couldn't do, or they felt like it was maybe going to be too hard, or maybe they were feeling a sense of guilt for wanting to completely change career trajectories. And this time is kind of like, wow, we could have another pandemic or, you know, our life is short sometimes, unfortunately. And so what is it? What is that thing that I want to be doing with my time that's going to bring me the most joy and the most energy? So I'm curious for you, Terry, like, what are some of the things that you talk to clients about when they're struggling between, I really want to go to this thing, but I'm scared? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, any kind of change is it's natural to have hesitancy or even fear around that. You know, a lot of times the way that the conversation goes when I'm working with a prospect or a new client is I always say we have to start with the goal, right? And I'll ask people, what is it that you want? (laughs) And sometimes people will say, I don't know. Or they'll say, I know I want this, but these are all the reasons why I can't have it. And I always try to get people to sort of separate those things and honor the things that they desire and that they want. Because by allowing them to sort of breathe and exist and even to start sharing those desires with others, it breathes life and possibility into them, right? And I think a lot of times people will say, oh, well, I can't get promoted to that level because you need an MBA and I don't have enough time or money to do that or whatever. I mean, all of the excuses that we give ourselves. But I just say, like, let's separate those, right? Like one is honor what you want. And secondly, we can figure out how to make it happen, right? But you can't allow one to smother the other. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I love that separating both of those thoughts into two separate concepts or two separate things to explore is important because as this is something I talk about with my clients, I'm curious if this is something that comes up for you too, is this concept of avoidance. And that avoidance is, I can see, I can see you nodding, this concept of avoidance in it being this immediate resolution to things to help us immediately feel better. So when we avoid going towards that thing that we want, we're really making ourselves feel better because it might be hard or we might be thinking that there's a certain, you know, income associated with it or like, how am I going to make that pivot? And so not addressing or not talking about how you're going to go get that thing helps you instantly feel better. And that's a human instinct to just feel safe. And to feel like you are not going to be in jeopardy of X, Y, or Z. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that we all want to keep ourselves safe, right? And really that most basic of instincts is to avoid risk, to avoid danger. But you probably see this in your practice, and I certainly do too, that often we overreact, right? Like we tell ourselves maybe on a very subconscious level that we're in danger when we're not, right? And so sometimes we're avoiding things that there's very little risk in us going forward with it. Like, for example, 
to go to your boss and to say, what do I need to do to get promoted? That's like really the first thing that you need to do to get promoted. But a lot of times people are afraid to do it because they're afraid that their boss is going to say like, oh, you're never going to get promoted or (laughs) you think you're promotion material. And, (laughs) you know, even if your boss did say that, that might give you information to realize like, okay, my future does not exist here. I need to go look for another job. Right. Or the boss might be like, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Here's the three things you need to do. And you're on the road to that higher title, that bigger paycheck, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I call that the, like the crystal ball that we, we like, we create these crystal balls in our heads of like, all right, if I do this, then this is what's going to happen. And so therefore I'm going to do this. And I think what you just said, Terry is so important, which is really all you want to do is have that first conversation with your boss, which is how am I going to get promoted? Or how can I get promoted? Mm -hmm. And whatever the response is, is the response. And we constantly as human beings, I believe that we're constantly on this pendulum swing of being in in anxiety, which is my definition is focusing on the future and what has not happened yet. And then focusing behind us on and sometimes this is referred to as depression, which Mm -hmm. is focusing on things that have happened already and getting stuck in the past and not actually focusing on what we need to do right now. Right. So I love that. It's sometimes just about what is that one next step that you need to take and, and then let that be organic from there. Yeah. I've literally seen things that I felt like were almost miraculous happen when people got into that mindset of possibility. And I'm sure you've seen it as a coach. Like, My job is to brainstorm, encourage, provide feedback. I cannot literally pick somebody up and carry them to their goal. But a lot of times I'm holding the space to help them believe that's possible and to help them chart a path to get there. And I've even been surprised sometimes how quickly things can happen because we're literally surrounded by possibilities constantly. And often we just don't open up or, or say the things we want or, or ask people, Hey, do you know of somebody? And I I've had a couple of clients who just through conversations, you know, just kind of coffee type conversations have gotten job offers just right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they'll call me back and say like, oh, you know that coffee? I got a job offer. <laughs> yeah. but it's always possible. We just don't know. You don't know who needs what or who knows whom. Yeah, and exactly. And so those possibilities, I would say also sometimes can paralyze us too, and maybe paralyze us into too much analysis, analysis paralysis, mm-hmm. and how we want to move forward. And so one of the other questions I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you was... Sure. You know, I'm sure you've worked with clients who maybe don't get results as fast as some of your other clients. I certainly have. Your clients who feel stuck at a point in the process are not sure why they're doing X, Y, or Z thing. So what are your recommendations to those who have maybe started a job search, they're not seeing the mm-hmm. results that they want, and some things aren't working? What do you do? Yeah, you know, I've had a lot of people that have come to me and they'll start off by saying something like, I've sent out 75 applications on Indeed and LinkedIn, and I've gotten zero calls. And I'm like, okay, what does that tell you? Stop applying on the job boards and start networking. If I had to allocate my time, or if I was advising a client, tell them spend more time networking and less time applying for jobs online. Because a lot of the jobs that are online aren't either real or they're out of date. You know, so you're spending time applying for a job where maybe they've already made an offer to somebody. Yes. And I know, like, in my former corporate career, 
HR wasn't always super timely about removing job ads, even as we had hired people. Exactly. So people are like spending their time applying to stuff that doesn't even exist. Yeah. Or like this has happened a lot of times with my clients has been like, they'll apply to a job or, you know, they'll even maybe network with somebody and there's already candidates in process before the job is even posted because of people who have networked with the hiring manager, with the team. Yeah. And when I was a hiring manager, if somebody on my team came in and said that they were resigning, if it was somebody that I liked and thought that they were a good worker, I'd say, well, who do you know that would be a good replacement for you? Yeah. And I would much rather hire someone that somebody on my team used to work with or they know in another context because good people usually know good people. And as we all know, hiring is risky. And the more points of reference that I have in determining whether somebody's going to be a good employee, the more confident I feel about doing that. And if they know somebody that I know is a good employee, that's a great testimonial. <laughs> yes. And it makes the hiring less risky to your point for the hiring manager because yeah, there's, totally. there's a known entity that they know, like, and trust. And mm-hmm. so there's a somewhat of a given there. <laughs> yeah. I love that advice. I love it. So tell us, like, what was the ethos behind the writing of your book? When I first left my job, I had a lot of thoughts, right? I mean, it's just weird when you worked in corporate for so long, and then I just decided to leave and do something different. And I wanted to spend some time figuring out what that was. And I guess part of my process was, you know, I was thinking back over my career, and I started blogging. And I blogged actually for a couple years, just on lessons I learned, work topics. And, you know, I was getting good feedback on it. And then somewhere along the line, somebody asked me, well, how many words do you have? You know, you've been blogging for a while. How many words do you have? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) But I downloaded all of my blogs and I had about 25,000 words. Wow. And then right around that same time, a friend of mine told me she was in a book writing program. And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I already have sort of like the seeds of a book because I have so many words. And so I joined this book writing program in the summer of 2019. And my book came out about a year ago, April of 2020, which unfortunately, I wasn't able to do a lot of the stuff I wanted to do with the book. But the book is all about lessons that I learned. I interviewed 11 people about their careers, because I think that it's very easy to look at people that are successful and just assume that they got on sort of the right escalator that took them smoothly to the corner office on the executive floor. And I have met enough people in my life and heard their stories and understand that a lot of very successful people had to overcome pitfalls and challenges. And I wanted to tell those stories to encourage other people that if you think you're smart, if you think you've got talent, you're maybe in a holding pattern right now, don't stop. Some of the stories in my book, it's Well, I love all of them, actually. (laughs) That's why I picked these people to interview. But it's everything from entrepreneurs who tried the corporate world and decided to go out and start their own business. And one guy who really was barely making enough money in his business and then all of a sudden ended up on the front page of the business section of the New York Times and all of a sudden went from like eating rice and beans to being flown on a private jet out to Google to, uh, (laughs) to do his workshops. And, you know, that was fantastic until... It was time for him to pay his taxes because he wasn't used to that level of success. And so then was in hock to the U.S. government. So just stories like that where people are like, oh, my gosh, 
you know, it's a bit of a roller coaster ride, like really successful people that got fired multiple times, people who were sexually harassed at work, just lots of the stories of how they overcame that to get to a place where they were happy and successful. Yeah. And in the moment, those situations are so tough. And I can imagine just being the interviewer talking to those people that must have been heart wrenching to hear some of those things. But to your earlier point about there's possibilities everywhere, we have to harness those. And Mm -hmm. it just takes one of those things. And then I was interviewing somebody else a couple of episodes ago who said that even if we fail, even if there's a bad experience or bad event, you didn't fail. It was a failed event and how to keep on going in spite of those things that get in the way. Yeah, I have looked back over my career, and I share a lot of the stories in my career too, that there were some really tough, painful, humiliating things (laughs) that happened to me in my career. And it would have been so easy to crawl into a little cave and just lick my wounds and just not take any more risks. But I mentioned earlier about hiring the coach and how eventually it led to a job that doubled my salary. I had something really sort of embarrassing happen. I applied for a promotion at my company, and it was a job that I really was sort of the heir apparent for, but I had not interviewed in a long time. I didn't really think that I needed to do a lot to prepare for the interviews because I kind of felt like everybody knew me. And I went into the interview and I bombed. And it was really humiliating to lose out on a job that was sort of the next logical step for me with people that I had to keep seeing (laughs) at work, right? So that I felt really embarrassed, but I also did not want to just stay there. So that's why I hired the coach. And I'm so glad that I did because you know, it boosted me so that I was ready for that next level. I knew how to present myself. I understood how to talk about the value that I brought or I would bring as a leader. And that wasn't something that I had ever thought of that before. And just working with somebody that could help me see that was, it made all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And it's nice to have that third party perspective on how you're showing up in a really safe space that you don't have to worry about, you know, seeing that person that you're practicing with (laughs) in the office. It's an unbiased, safe space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So what would you say? What's the number one thing that people need to know about setting them up themselves up for success in a job search besides networking? You know, I think that it's really important to get clear on what it is that you want to do and understand why that would be a good fit for you. One of the things that I've noticed with a lot of high achieving people is that they're very sort of fixated on what other people think or what will people think of me if I get into this role. And I think a big trap that many people get into is they believe, oh, well, if I get to that next level, if I'm able to achieve and move up in the organization, I'll be happy. And Uh, I mean, I'm sure you probably see it. I see it with a lot of my clients is that they're successful, but they're not satisfied, Mm. right? They're doing everything they need to do to meet the expectations of work, but maybe they don't like what they're doing. Maybe they're just investing way too much of their time and energy and work and they don't have enough energy left to enjoy their lives. So I think it's important to take a look and say, is this something that I'd be good at and that I would like to do? If you can start with that, you're probably going to be on a path that is going to lead you someplace that you're going to enjoy much more than where am I going to get the biggest paycheck or what is the industry or role of the moment, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. And that's like, um, I don't know if you know Marcus Buckingham, but Mm -hmm. that's like his definition of success, which is what are you good at and what do you enjoy doing? Because there could be things that you're great at that you don't like Mm -hmm. doing. And that's actually a weakness because it doesn't bring you energy. It doesn't bring you that fulfillment when you wake up in the morning and get to go to do that thing. And that's eventually going to lead to things like mental health issues, burnout, disengagement, lots of different things. And so I love that tip that you just shared because I wholeheartedly believe it too. Yeah, you know, if you don't mind adding something there, I think that that's definitely a pitfall for many high achieving smart people is that a lot of times they're good at a lot of things. And I've had people that actually thought that it wasn't quote unquote work if they enjoyed it. And so they would gravitate towards things that were hard and that maybe were stressful because they thought, well, this other thing's easy for me. And so therefore it must not be that valuable. And that's not necessarily the case. Yes. That might be your superpower. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So Terry, what would you say is the most important thing that you've learned in your life? What has been that biggest life lesson? That's a great question. For me, I've always been very tenacious and goal-oriented. And I think that the biggest lesson that I have learned is that there is no such thing as failure. Or maybe I should say you only fail if you stop trying. Yep. You can only fail if you stop trying because there's nothing to fail at if there's no no action. I love that. Right. Otherwise, it's just learning, right? I've heard fail used as an acronym, which is first attempt and learning, right? Yes. We can learn lessons by trying and failing, but then next time we know what to do better or differently. Amazing. Amazing. I love that, Terry. We're going to tell our listeners where they can find out more about you, but we end every episode with talking about how people can bring more good into their lives. So what would you say to our listeners today, a best practice about how people can continue to bring more good into what they do and into their lives? Well, the thing that I would say to them is that your happiness matters and honor that. If you have a desire, if something brings you joy, try to find a way to put more of that in your life. If you get butterflies when you're doing something, take note of it and do more of it. You deserve it. You deserve it. I love that. Good show note. Amazing. So Terry, tell us where our listeners can connect with you online. Well, they can find me at my website, which is terrybmcdougall.com. I'm also very active on LinkedIn, where my handle is terrybmcdougall. And if people are interested, if you're a marketing nerd like me, I spent my whole corporate career marketing. I have a podcast, which is called Marketing Mambo. And you can find that at marketingmambo.net. Amazing. And we'll put all the information, all the links in the show notes below this episode. So everybody feel free to check those out. And Terry, it's been so wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. AJ, thank you very much for having me. Everybody, thanks for tuning in to Share, Inspire, Repeat. Again, I'm AJ Mises, and it's been a pleasure having you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Share, Inspire, Repeat with AJ Mises. Interested in sharing a story or being a guest on the show? Visit shareinspirerepeat.com to introduce yourself or to submit a story. You can also check out more details from this episode by visiting shareinspirerepeat.com.